Hey everyone here and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host Tom Quee here. We are back with yet another chat on Metallica. This podcast we are going through the entire back catalogue of, in my opinion, the greatest metal band of all time, that being Metallica. We're going A to Z, A to Z. I think this is like... 88, 89, something like that, so we've broken the back of this thing, we're slowly getting there, we're only on fucking M though, we're only about halfway through the alphabet, and today we are tackling, you know, arguably the reason we're fucking doing this show is Master of Puppets, one of the greatest songs ever recorded, certainly one of Metallica's many, many masterpieces, very much looking forward to getting into this song, sinking our teeth into this musical matter, as always, follow us at Metallica Pod, you know, as I do, I always um, put stuff out there what do people think of the songs we read them out at the end of the show it's a great way of keeping in touch with with news on the show and um various jason newstead gifts that i'll occasionally post um you can get in touch with me as well metallicapod at gmail.com if you want to come on the show you want to discuss a song you want to discuss a topic you want to just say hey you know you were wrong about memory remains memory remains is a classic i appreciate that uh, we got a patreon as well patreon.com forward slash alf metallica itunes leave us a review subscribe to the channel comment all the stuff that i always say and today we have a guest with us as always today we're joined by dan all the way from northern ireland dan how's it going sir yeah good how's it going very well man i mean you know you are clearly a big fan because yep. you wrote an essay about metallica and their um the genre flirtations and stuff like that which which we'll yep. get which we'll get into um i've read it myself really really great piece in terms of yourself and the bands like what were the early experiences when was that do you remember the first time you heard metallica yeah, it was actually in my friend's uh, dad's car. Mm. I was about 11 years old. It was wasting my hate. Wow. And just when that riff kicked in, yeah. he, he like, accelerated into the car and I was sucked <laughs> into the seat. <laughs> and that was, that was my earliest memory. And then going forward from there then, you know, how are you getting your hands on the material? How are you expanding yeah. your knowledge? After that, uh, my older cousin, he was into Metallica and stuff like that. So I got the Black Album and S&M from him. Mm-hmm. So... For about two years, I was listening to that, and then I went to see them live when I was 13, and then the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, and it, I mean, moving forward then in terms of their chronology, St. Anger, what, what, what's your thoughts on St. Anger? I actually don't mind St. Anger, especially right. after seeing, you know, uh, like some kind of monster, I think it makes sense. Yeah. But, like, for their history at that point in time, it just mm-hmm. makes sense, yeah. And Death Magnetic Hardwired, your thoughts on those records? I prefer Hardwired over Death Magnetic. You do? Pro- you yeah, do? The, okay. the production on Death Magnetic is about harsh. That's true, that's true. I, I, I mean, just personally, I prefer the compositions. I, I, I think definitely Next Stripe has better riffs than Hardwired and maybe better songs. But you know, that's the beauty of this podcast. Uh, yeah, we I get think people. The riffs are somewhat better on Death Magnetic, but I think the songwriting overall is better on Hardwired. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they do them together a bit better. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we might uh, be at odds on that, but I'm sure, like all Metallica fans around the around the world, we can agree that Master of Puppets is you know, one of the band's best ever songs. Like, you, what about the first time you heard this song? Do you have any memories? Yeah, that was actually on the S and M album. You know, when it of comes course, from yeah. Cthulhu, straight into Puppets and. That was basically my whole ride to school. It was like 20 minutes, so it was those two songs <laughs> over and over for two years straight. Let's get into this track, uh, you know, the titular track uh, from one of the band's greatest albums as well. And it has an unbelievable intro. You mean, it's up there with fucking Beethoven's fifth, you know, the dun-dun-dun-dun, like, dun Dun, dun, dun. Like, if you just yeah. did those four percussive movements to anyone around the world, they would know it was Master of Puppets. I mean, it's such a genius intro, right? Yeah, it's just that abrupt start, and then it's straight into the chromaticism, just descending all yeah. the way down. 
it's it's just iconic yeah yeah and it's like that i'm glad you point out that chromaticism because you know what they're doing there just descending you know seven open six open five open da, 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 going just down and then up and just playing with that it's such a simple thing and in the hands of many other bands it would be almost a bit monotonous but i yeah. think with with metallica with james you know it's this constant sense of building of moving forward until eventually you get to that you know that orgasmic release of the spider yeah. riff i just that whole sequence is breathtaking that intro yeah i think uh hepfield's definitely the master of that the tension and release he's mm-hmm. building it building it and then he's he's building even more tension with that spider riff as yeah. well just the some of the intervals in that with the flat nine from the e to the f and then you've got the flat five as well, which is synonymous with metal music in a way. But yeah. it just it builds more tension right up to that first riff is when you get the first, I think, in a way, first real release. Yeah, yeah. And I should say as well, spider riff for people who aren't aware. Obviously, but the reason it's, it's called that is because your left hand, when you play, it looks like a dancing arachnid. Yeah. Like your, your, <laughs> your fingers are all over the place. And I, I can remember, I can remember... When I was when I was fourteen, um, and I was really really getting into car in that summer, I was also massively into X Files and yeah. watching all the DVDs and stuff. And I remember spending hours trying to get that riff down. You know, my technique was was a bit absent at the time, yeah. but it is one of those you know absolutely classic classic riffs. But you know, there's more release as as we go back from the spider riff back into the intro as well. Like when we build up to the like the open seven eight, you know, that just comes before the verse riff. Oh yeah, um, as well. That's and, more tension as well yeah. flat five again yeah and i like i like the different tone that has as well it has i can't, I can't quite explain it it's kind of almost a bit of a weaker tone it's not got as much bass to it it's yeah a bit... it's kind of like it's kind of like a fuzz tone or yeah. something yeah yeah but but it just you know juxtapos- juxtaposes perfectly and as i say you know in hetfield hands the the raw minerals of the riff you know he absolutely excels at writing this and it is just just stunning and for me, Master, I mean, there's, there's so many superlatives I can throw at this song, but one of the things that I admire most is the amount of incredible guitar ideas. Like, yep. by my count, there are nine that we're going to get mm. through individually. Um, yep. We've already had two here, the intro riff into the spider riff. Uh, the verse riff as well, which just I don't complements Hetfield so well. It just plays underneath the vocals perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a strange uh, set of four bars as well, mm. especially that last bar. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. There's a video online of a guy called, I think he's called Signals Music Studio. Okay. And it's called Metallica and the Missing 32nd Note. <laughs> right. And uh, do you know what part I'm on about? Do you know the... Yeah, dun, yeah, yeah. Dun? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically he calls it the mystery measure because n- nobody really knows what's, what's going on there. But he finds some guy on a blog... And he analyzed the length of every 30-second note in Master of Puppets and then added together how many was in that bar. And apparently it's 21 over 32. Wow. So the that bar, is the, its time signature is 21 over 32, apparently. <laughs> yeah. It's the way, for me, it locks into the lyrics as well. So it's, and a passion play, da-da, da-da-da-da, dumb but in a way, da-da-da-da-da. You know, it just fits absolutely Yeah, it just perfect. backs up. It's yeah, like, yeah. kind of like a call and response. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It really sort of, you know, reinforces the verse rhythm as incredible. And something that you only really listen to when you're listening with headphones, but the treatment of the vocals as well. Like, when Hetfield comes with end of passion play, you're like, and a passion play. Like, it kind of comes into the speaker from from yeah. the left and right. It's kind of like him 
just like assaulting your senses there and his voice as well I mean you know it's 86 so we're not getting into the you know the grand sort of black album rock star tone here but I think there's a perfect meld on um, master of that youthful indignation and that kind of stadium command you know I, I love the way James sounds on this song and the album in the whole yeah, it's, it's kind of just before 88, the, the whole justice thing, where his yeah. voice starts to get lower, but you still got a bit of that rasp from Kill 'em All still there in his voice as well. Yeah, it's really cool. What do you think about the sounds of the guitars, uh, the rhythm guitars? Oh, I love it. Mm, <laughs> it's mm. like one of the best metal tones on, yeah. on guitar you can get. Yeah, yeah. It's bright, but it's still got a bass. It's still heavy. Yeah. There's a lot of space to it. Um, you know, I, I, we spoke, spoke to Fleming Rasmussen about a year and a half ago on the podcast. Yeah. I can't really exactly remember if we discussed specifically James's tones. We probably yeah, did. What, what, what he was saying there was that he built up the tones, uh, like yeah. it was like a quad track. So That's he had right. like a really, uh, like a crunchy type tone and then a slightly more overdriven tone. Yeah. Like like the, the, the thickener, I think he referred to. Yeah. So it's like building the gain rather than slamming it all and just on the one track, it builds it up gradually, which well works really well. Yeah, it does. And I mean, we move forward into the chorus, which mm-hmm. is incredibly catchy, you know, mm-hmm. not, not only because it's appealing to sort of the gang vocals with the master and yeah. again, the silence, the lacuna that is that is drawing that power out. But just the, the very 80s guitar in the chorus, dun, 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 you know, it's very, yeah. very melodic, very fiddly. I love it. Yeah, that's actually, that's a Kirk riff. Have yeah. you listened to the, the Deluxe version yet with all like the riff tips and stuff? You know, I, I know they're on Spotify. I listened to one or two, but um, yeah. I need to go back because one of them's like 12 minutes, I think, a master cut of like, yeah, yeah. You know. I think they, they, they play it and then they go over some of the riffs just at the end. I think it's just James and Lars wow. going through everything. But um, that that riff specifically, I think it's 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 really good riff. But there's one part in it that James has actually changed from Kirk's, because if you listen to like Kirk's riff tapes, he doesn't have the the ending E flat to the B to make you know like a B seven mm-hmm. chord coming back to the E. Yeah. So I think Hatfield actually put that in because later on, then in the interlude, you've got that B seven falling back to the E to make the perfect cadence and stuff. So. I think just to tie it in, so he's building like um, his ideas up throughout the song, mm-hmm. rather yeah. than having Kirk's little twiddly bit at the end, because I don't think he he doesn't really know how to end the riff, and if you can hear me, he's got various different endings. Yeah, it. yeah, it's funny you mention that because I remember um, Lars saying that he helped Kirk write the Sandman riff again. Yeah. Kirk didn't quite know how to end it, and Lars like a yeah. and, you know put this ending there, and you know, yeah, Vos, <laughs> Vos, Vos the classic song was born, and yet yeah. I, I mean. Um, obey your master your life burns faster all these platitudes that he's throwing yeah. out there there's there's not many syllables in each line and it's just underscored by um by the by the wonderful playing here and it really is in my eyes as i say i mean that's another huge adornment song another bit of classic you know riffage there i i love love the chorus riff and we move forward. The song is a song that's ever-changing as well. It's a long song, but it doesn't get burdened down in repetition. Like, one of the flaws to me of the song and Justice for All is that yep. it doesn't come up with any new ideas in the slow middle. Essentially, what it does is it weaponizes the soft intro and just makes that heavier, which Master yep. kind of does as well with the arpeggios, which we'll get to. But that's kind of why I get a little bit bored of Unjustice. I think maybe there's one too many verses, but namely there's no movement in the middle that we have yeah, in master there's not much development throughout no it. no no I would agree there so we get to three minutes 30 
with the maestro, you know, all the evaporating stuff, which again, sounds brilliant. Like, doesn't sound yeah. dated, doesn't sound lame, definitely could, plays into the idea of the song, the idea of addiction and the voices in the yeah. head and, and all, all that sort of movement. And then getting into then that clean arpeggio, which really feels like a shaft of light breaking, doesn't it? It's a real breath of fresh air in the middle of the quite a monstrous track. Yeah, I, I think I read somewhere once... Uh... And then I don't know if it was a review or an interview, but someone was talking about Master of Puppets and they, they had a theory that Master of Puppets musically represents addiction as well, like in a, okay. uh, an addict's day. Yeah. And that this clean section is kind of like when the addict is high. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that tale from the, the shouts of masters kind of like falling into you know, master, master. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can then, see that. Yeah. And then these, like the, the clean chordal passage then, it just sets the mood. It's, 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 to what's about to come within the the, the arpeggios and stuff, mm-hmm. but um this this section especially like the the harmony the harmony that James is using, uh. it's, it's it's actually really colourful and for a thrash metal band like I, I wouldn't I don't think you would hear like the likes of Slayer or Megadeth or no. Anthrax doing something Never. like this, no. But um and it's quite an irregular phrase as well. It's five bars in length with two bars of two four on each end and then three bars of four four in the middle. So it's a bit strange in that aspect Mm -hmm. but um yeah could i go through the chords here please so you've got e minor in the first bar for two uh beats and then you've got d and then he goes to a c9 for three and a half beats but then on the end of four he's going to a c major seven and then the next bar he's got an a suspended two which goes to a b7 but then on the last bar he, he hits an open g as well which makes that b7 a flat 13 and I don't know if Hatfield knows that he's doing this or if he's right. just playing with open strings on the guitar. But that's it's really colourful harmony for a thrash band. It's, it's, it's amazing. It is, it is. And it reminds me a little bit of Fade to Black in the sense that he's kind of holding these chords yeah. and then and then picking them. And, you know, also I, I love the um, the legato in, in that riff as well. It always kind of like makes me smile. It's always a really nice touch. And the yeah. melody lines that you mentioned, so, so true. You would never hear any of this on any of the other big four. I mean, nope. you've got to think that, I know they were all really grounded in music and stuff, but you've got to think there's that Cliff influence, the Lizzie, yeah. the Lizzie influence that they're yeah. all massively into. I mean, a lot because because a lot of people always point to Maiden as well. Like, I'm a big Maiden fan as the harmonising leads, but for me, it's Lizzie. I think Lizzie did it way better, and Lizzie were more melodic as well. Yeah. And I think even someone that doesn't play guitar, you know, when I saw them play this in Birmingham, it happened. It happens at all their shows. People will sing those harmony lines back yeah. to them. We 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 could harmonise now and do it. You know what yeah. I mean? No one have any trouble singing those. And I love that point you make about this being the high because I'd never thought of that in like 13 years. But yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And I love the sense of the the book ending. So we have the harmonized line into James's solo, which I mean, as a Metallica fan, always a treat when James solos, right? Yeah, definitely. It's it's really lyrical uh, mm. the way he solos. It's not flashy. It's it's just exactly what the song needs. And I think he he puts a lot of time into it yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, you can really feel that, and certain bends as well. They're really, really throaty. They're really filled with kind of a sort of painful emotion that he's yeah. drawing out of the song, and then it seamlessly goes back in the do 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 do. And uh, one of the demos riff tapes that I listened to on Spotify, you can hear that melody line unaccompanied, just with Lars playing and sort of they're trying yeah. to work out the rhythms and stuff like that. And 
I don't know, the song, the song has no hairs on it, the song progresses so brilliantly, so seamlessly, so when it goes from the harmony line after James's solo, into it getting heavier, into the arpeggio being played heavier as well, I mean, it's just a, so such a cohesive movement, isn't it? Yeah, I think, uh, especially Lars's drum arrangement, just if we could go back to the interlude yeah. for a couple of seconds, um, he bookends Hetfield solo as well, along with Cliff, because if you notice, uh, he's, he, he kind of utilizes a halftime feel, and his accents are on weaker beats within the bars rather than strictly just emphasizing, you know, the harmonic downbeats of the progression. Mm. And this, I think, that adds to the high or the dreamlike quality of that section. And I think a lot of drummers would have just, you know, played straight through that. But I think it just proves that Lars, he, he, he's not just playing for the song, but Every, every section is given full attention and it's just such a nuanced approach and it's the same with Cliff's playing because you know on Guitar Hero like they put up the isolated bass oh, the, the stems yeah yeah you can really hear that in Cliff's playing as well like the, the rhythms that he's doing and then when it does come to Hepfield solo Lars goes back into the 4-4 and it really just drives home Hepfield so it really it backs it up really well I think it gives it like this forward motion and I think that's what makes that section is that is the rhythm section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that amps up then when you are going into the distorted section when Lars is playing kind of like caveman drums, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. be- beating the toms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then master returning as well. Yeah. The the voices, you know, the drugs can only stem them off so long, I suppose. Yeah, it's and, kind of like a coming down after after the high. It's yeah. going to ramp back up then into the solo. Yeah, yeah and he does have this cave band. Yeah, it just feels very bass, very primitive. Yeah, and, and they go to that F sharp. It's like that's they, they kind of do that Metallica throughout most of their catalog, just to build tension, go into that F sharp, and then release back down into the E. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and where's the dreams that I've been after? Uh, you know, laughter, laughter, all that sort of stuff. And James singing "Fix Me." And then we get into Kirk solo. Um, what are your thoughts on this lead? Yeah, I, I really like it. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting opening line because it's built off an A minor and he's playing an E, but it works. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 trying to find right now actually because in back, have you read Back to the Front? Um, is that the big coffee book? Table? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or, yeah, not table book. Yeah, yeah. no, I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, because in that, I, I can't find it at the moment, but in that, I remember um, Kirk talking about the solo that they did and Gary Moore being quite a big influence, actually, um, yeah. at the time. Because, I mean, obviously, Gary, I mean, mentioned Lizzie before, um, yeah. his work on. I actually, did an episode uh, a few months ago, Finn Lizzie's influence on Metallica, which basically was me just talking about Finn Lizzie. I didn't really talk about Metallica, but um, <laughs> you know, Gary Moore, incredible guitar player, obviously, uh, rest in peace as well. And it kind of playing on that idea, that sort of corridors of power play. Playing. and it is a is a wonderful solo and there's kind of odd sounds um that he hears as well i'm pretty sure he flicks his finger on a high harmonic or something like that yeah. and i know that at the time he was very much in his steve Vai bag and um i've actually been going back and listening to david lee roth's second album his second with steve Vai's skyscraper which is an unbelievable guitar album i really didn't give that time of day when I was younger, but but anyway, yeah. So it's kind of in that mode, in that sort of guitar hero mode, and yeah, I give Kirk so much fucking shit on this show about his <laughs> about his lead playing, but I have to bow down to this solo. I think in this era, you know, he was up there with the greatest, and I think it it has this kind of you know, this kind of frenzied to it, this kind of des- 
desperated, you know, desperate sort of chaotic mania to it that perfectly complements the whole song. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I think, yeah, this definitely the 80s is his best area. I yeah. think that's when he was really trying. I think now it's just about especially live i don't know if he cares but <laughs> no no i think he cares about metallica and you know he still he loves to play that, but, his, but yeah uh, i agree performance yeah. he's not he's not he's not he doesn't feel like a student of the instrument anymore no. or he, uh, I, you I think, know yeah, yeah he did all his learning back in the 80s and then he kind of just said right that's me now i'm, I'm finished <laughs> yeah 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 and i'm sure when he goes into his solos you know really he's probably thinking about werewolf movie posters or yeah, something like probably. that his, uh, his his <laughs> mind's his mind's elsewhere now a bit of interesting stuff um about this song that i didn't realize that i found as right doing this song the the riff again another great so just just to count sorry in terms of the amazing guitar parts so we've got the intro we've got the spider riff we've got the verse riff we've got the chorus riff we've got the arpeggios we've got the harmony lines i've counted sort of both solos maybe we can count either solos so that'll get, get us to eight we then sort of have the um, kind of heavier thrash riff i kind of really don't know how to term it it's just kind of like the down below power chords riff but then there's the ascension riff which 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 is so so good as well which almost you know it feels like a bit of hope perhaps maybe like that kind of after high that you have or whatever that kind of is misleading a second breath now did you know that this was inspired by david bowie that riff i yes i read that somewhere and uh, i can't remember what song it is but i I have heard it yeah yeah i I literally read this today so it's the song's called andy warhol and i will include a clip right here So, so yeah, basically, um, this is from an interview with Kirk many years after the fact where he's talking about Bowie. I think this is after Bowie had died. He says, quote, David Bowie has been a pretty huge influence on me and other people in Metallica as well. I know that Cliff Burton and I, we used to listen to Ziggy Stardust album a lot on the Ride the Lightning tour. The title, Leper Messiah, is actually in the song Ziggy Stardust. And if you want to dig any further into how much of an influence he was, all you have to do is listen to the Bowie song, Andy Warhol, and you'll know what I'm talking about. The song was a heavy influence on Cliff Burton and that album. The intro to the song is there for the sh- there for sure. Played in a a jaunty acoustic strum but it's still undeniably there and yeah it is completely there so the riff as you've just heard is and it doesn't really descend but I, I, I mean Kirk's saying it so clearly it yeah. is an homage it's not you know it's not an accident yeah. and it's a weird bit of influence there that it's in that track but um I mean pretty cool isn't it the, the band are always eclectic in terms of who inspired them yeah, especially like I think they were big into art rock, especially Cliff as well. And then oh, obviously yeah. did the album with Lou Reed, so yeah, he's the king of art rock. So. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, so the song goes on, goes further. Really, no sign of slowing down in terms of creativity. We've got that the, the Bowie riff, I suppose, as you term it, and the heavier riffs as well. Um, we get we get the later verses and the choruses, and it, it, all of it comes together to a wonderful thing. You know, the fade out as well, where it gets really crazy. Yeah. and a little bit damage ink s to echo the feedback into the sort of riotous laughter that closes it and also closes metal at your podcast as well and the kind of uh, the stabs of the chords at the end and james can be heard cackling and yeah. it's just a wild journey yeah i think just the note choices that that have been used throughout the song it's, it, it, i think it's really well thought out mm-hmm. and the, like it you know when Metallica talk, if you've ever heard James talk about how they write songs, they all get the riffs together and then they kind of string them together. I, f- I feel as if Puppets was a bit further than that. 
it's like it's these they've got these ideas but they've made them into like this cohesive development throughout the track the, the, the way that they've changed some of the riffs from some of the tapes to fit the whole song and there's like this common thread that remains throughout i think it's if you excuse the pun masterfully composed <laughs> it is no it, it, true i will excuse that so like like i have to excuse man unkind yeah. i'll have to uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll have to look past that as well but 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 yeah yeah completely agree and it, it, it is just a, a monumental fucking song in every yeah. sense of the word um it was actually released as a single in france the only place was it? it was released yeah on july 2nd 1986 um apparently it's also issued as a promo single in the u.s but as an actual sort of single single in france and james would say of the lyrics that it deals pretty much with drugs how things get switched around instead of you controlling what you're taking and doing it's a drugs controlling you uh, apparently the song was also cliff's favorite song on the album he was quoted as saying that when it was released i mean let's focus on the lyrics um a little bit for you dan what do yeah. you think what do you think yeah, they're interesting. Um, have you seen Absent, the the film that James was in about absent fathers? I no, I've not heard of that. There's uh, well, there's his part in the film is on YouTube. I think it's only like thirteen minutes long. It's it's bad quality. Whatever, whoever ripped it, but it's, you can still watch it. It's basically yeah. an interview of him about his how he lost his dad, okay. well, when his dad left and stuff. And I think in that, uh, or it might be something else, but I think it's this, that lyrically Hetfield admits that in those lyrics he was pointing the finger out at the world, but then throughout what he went through, through his addiction and his therapy and stuff, that he actually realised that it must have been his subconscious that was actually projecting his shit out onto the world. Hmm. And how he could then go back and look at his lyrics and how he could relate to his own story through his lyrics when he thought he was soapboxing. So it's pretty interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah, n- never heard of that documentary. Just on IMDb now, it came out in 2010. It, uh, Metallica frontman James Hetfield, champion boxer Johnny Tapia, and a diverse mix of people confront parental abandonment in a yeah. moving documentary on a spirit-crushing phenom- phenomenon that leaves anger, alienation, and longing in its cruel wake. And yeah, it's on YouTube, so I'm definitely going to watch that afterwards as well. And um, I mean... You know, a lot of metal bands, their bread and potatoes is drugs and the effects of drugs, be it celebrating him or damning them. doesn't really come up in Metallica too much, but I feel like James is sort of putting his definitive opinion and spin on it. Yeah, I think uh, I read an interview from when before they recorded Puppets that he was at a house party somewhere in San Francisco and he actually walked into the guy shooting up and how he found it so disgusting. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so he, that's where the idea from the song came from. But then, with his own addiction, looking back, it's kind of came full circle on him. Sure, sure. Yeah, I suppose yeah. it's it's about addiction more than more than drugs yeah. or or anything like that. Yeah, and again, in back to the front, I can't won't be able to find the quote, but I remember them saying at the Metalla Mansion, you know, James would would just drink, and I think someone offered him like a spliff or something like that, and he got high and he went crazy, and you know, he just couldn't deal with it as as some people are like so with that. But but yeah. Lyrically, um, you know, again, the song is absolutely fantastic. The idea of Master of Puppets, the marionette, you know, the sort of hidden hand controlling everything is such a brilliant metaphor for addiction and um, the imagery as well. And even like end of passion play, like that's kind of like how a fucking Shakespearean soliloquy would start. You know, it's kind of contrived, but I love it. That's interesting that you'd say that because I just read something there before we came on. Mm. Uh, There's some guy who did like a metaphorical analysis of the lyrics. Right. And he he interprets that as the passion plays and like, you know, the Shakespearean thing, all of life yeah. is just a stage. And that's that we were being played. 
so maybe in this instance it's the drug that's being the player it's pulling the strings yeah 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 absolutely yeah and i mean constantly you know james is inhabiting this persona of the substance taste me he's offering you know i'm killing you cruel faster put twisting your mind as well um smashing your dreams has always been a little leaden to me but but i'm being majorly nitpicky because i do adore this song but um yeah i'll hear you scream as well inhabiting all this sort of idea uh, the natural habitat of hell never-ending maze drift on numbered days your life is out of season and you know james is james is on a tear in this yeah. song and i think um you know he's absolutely terrific here and um yeah so this song was ranked the third greatest heavy metal song ever by vh1 i don't know what credence vh1 has but there you go <laughs> um martin popoff who is a great friend of the show he's an unbelievably gifted rock writer rock historian canadian done loads of books on metallica and rush and van halen and had him on the show very early on actually we discussed am i evil from this episode five so that was really, really cool um he did a book he did the top 500 heavy metal songs of all time and master of puppets was ranked as number two take a guess at what number one was tough question it's quite an obvious one when you think about it what band was it by sabbath oh black sabbath then. yeah it was actually paranoid oh was it okay yeah right. yeah which which i mean was like i think that was written on the day in the studio or something like yeah, that and it kind of kind of feels like it in a good way but like you know even you know when you play the riff and it's like where your fingers are it's like of course i hammer on seven nine seven nine it's just like yeah. you know tony we didn't want to move those fucking nibs but um <laughs> yeah it was ranked number one as well and it totally you know, it's been ranked number one everywhere on fucking hundreds of uh yeah. magazines but um any more thoughts on the song um no, I can. I just. I can, you can just understand why it is such a fan favorite. It's. It's just yeah. ingenious writing. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I, and I. Pr- I think it's their most played song live. I'm pretty certain it is. Yeah. Thanks. So. Let me yeah. just get the stats up exactly when they were. Um. When it when it's been used. But but yeah. I mean, it makes sense as well. I think. Yeah. Um, even, even when they were doing the by request, I think Lars thought people were going to choose some deep cuts. But it was basically just a normal set list, like Sandman. Yeah, it was pop every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, uh, let's get a look here. Yeah, um, it's been played one thousand six hundred and one times. So, <laughs> in probably pretty much every show. It was debuted New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty-five in san francisco and that gig is dealt with quite extensively in back to the front which is really cool and it was last played a month ago today it was last played december 9th in fresno california i'm sure it'll be played for time in memoriam you know it'll be on every show even more than enter sandman i think everyone wants to hear this song and they want to hear the long version you know in the 90s yeah. they were doing the truncated version that's right back in the 90s they used yeah. to cry yeah. what was that about i don't, I don't I know why they... i don't know who who pulled the plug on that or whose decision that was, but it was idiotic. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be like Queen doing Bohemian Rhapsody, but for a three-minute yeah. version. It's like, well, you, you need the whole thing. You know, you need the cycle. Part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, a, a cool thing as well that I mentioned just before um, we got into the song itself is that um, you sent me an essay. So just to clarify, yeah. this was an essay that you wrote um, on your undergrad degree, and you basically speaking about Metallica defying genre boundaries. I mean, obviously we can't sort of get into the, the, the in-depth arguments there, but what's the abstract? What were you exploring? Well... There was a couple of researchers who were at the start, they were talking about how people tend to 
associate musical genre with certain instruments and how they can be genre specific or they can be perceived as genre specific. Mm -hmm. So if you go into the Metallica's later catalogue, especially Load and Reload and stuff like that, and even Lulu, you've got instruments such as the hurdy-gurdy or violins, or you've got like the electronic drones that you find on Lulu. They're not really what you would associate with metal. So overall, can you really lump Metallica and overall to their catalog the genre title of metal I yeah can. yeah I mean it's I've always just loved how outrageous it is that they have metal in their name as well yeah like, it's <laughs> well just... I think that's kind of like a fuck you yeah it's like yeah we don't have to be metal <laughs> to be Metallica or Metallica <laughs> and you know, you know the origin as well that Lars stole it from his friend uh, yeah, for the name of Zine <laughs> and it's like that's actually a really good name for a Zine as well but um, I think Metal Mania the guy went with or something like that so uh yeah. But um, but yeah, no, that was so cool that you did that essay, man, and I appreciate you sending it across as well. And it definitely was um an enlightening read. Now, um, as we always do on Twitter at MetallicaPod, we open the floodgates critically. You know, want to hear what you guys think of the songs. And this was the most popular tweet I've probably ever done in terms of song on the show. Uh, people really, really wanted to get into it and let their opinions be heard. So let's get into a few of these. Nick says of Master of Puppets. Are we their greatest and most iconic song? Not a note falls below perfection. When someone says, who's Metallica? This is a song you play. Plus, it makes a kick-ass appearance in Old School. Have you seen Old School? I know the film with Will Ferrell. Have you seen that? Yeah, I think that's the scene when they're, like, recruiting people for, I don't know if it's a gang or something. Oh, it's, they're like a fraternity or something, aren't they? Yeah, and yeah. they're running around in a van, and that song's playing. Uh, okay, okay. Um, Max says, simply, Masterpiece. Uh, Joe the Fridge says Pancakes Go um, Pat Paul saying Pure Perfection Ralph saying Best Song Ever uh, Bella Donna saying The impressive intro lets you know that this song will be nothing less than majestic a great combination of thought-provoking lyrics about addiction something that Hetfield knows too well with great guitar solos this is a definitive Metallica song and an example of their craft and we also have Metallicast check out Metallicast podcast saying a perfect song and a perfect album it embodies, embodies everything that makes Metallica uh, Triton saying it's one of those songs you wish you could hear for the first time once again when the quiet middle part starts it's as soothing and satisfying as it can be Alex Finney says, at a minimum, it's probably the pinnacle of American heavy metal, edging out Creed by the narrowest of margins. Live, it has been eclipsed in popularity by Sandman, but you know the diehards amongst you when that epic four-chord opener is hit. Personally, I become unglued every time. Bob Rock saying, Puppets is a legendary track. It's loaded with badass riffs throughout. It's frightening lyrics that kept me scared straight since I first heard them. I even love the short and live version from the 90s. You're on your, you're on your own there, Bob, but um, shout out to Bob. Great dude. Had him on some good episodes. Skull of Yorick saying, the essence of what makes Metallica great. There is not a single fault in this song. James Clark says, the goat. So yeah, everyone wanted to get in touch and let me know what they thought of the song. And uh, thank you to everyone that did as well. So we will close up with a few quickfire questions, uh, Dan, as we always do. The first one being what's your favorite song of the band it changes yeah <laughs> at the minute i have been listening to a lot of lulu mm -hmm. so it's junior dad at the minute you know it's, i i don't know if you heard the junior dad episode but we went crazy on that song i love that song yeah yeah it's amazing it's yeah. i think it's it's a perfect closure to lou reed's career and it's just the perfect exploration that i think metallica should delve a bit deeper into that more droney minimalist I think they do that really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everything comes together on that track. Not only the guitars and the sense of absence that they portray, but lose imagery as well of, um, you know, a, a dying figure, dying father and the drowning. And like, yeah, Junior Dad. 
Uh, had Tommy Trinkler on for that. That was a really, really good episode. So that, no, no one's ever said Junior Dad before when I've asked <laughs> that question. It's normally creeping death, so... Yeah, if you want to hear some like really strange versions of that, there's some on YouTube with uh, Lou Reed, John Zorn, and Laurie Anderson. They're a bit mm. out there. Okay. But there's one actually where he'd, I think he's somewhere in Germany, and fireworks start to go off during it, like, and they weren't planned. It's it's some other yeah. firework display, and Lou actually does some free improv, like uh, spoken word over the top of them. Damn. That's pretty cool. Damn. Okay. It's on that YouTube. Is... <laughs> That is a rabbit hole and a half. Yep. Lou Reed improvising <laughs> over fireworks. Uh, yep. wh- what about your um, favourite album by Metallica? Oh, Puppets. Puppets. Yeah. Just Is that clear? For a long time, it was Justice. But I'm, I'm in a cover band, and we did the, the full Puppets album there this summer, recently, live. And just learning everything, you just realise how intricate some of the rhythms are. And I find a new respect for it. And every single song, I can't fault any song on it. It's the perfect metallic album uh, yeah it's certainly it's certainly their their definitive yeah. um their definitive masterpiece yeah, i'd have to agree there um what about member of the band uh probably lars lars yeah lars genius guy yeah i think it's just his openness and his whole outlook and creativity like if you listen to some of his interviews it's not just well we wrote this and then we wrote that he gets really into the nitty-gritty of like the thought process behind it especially like, i think it was on that classic album when he was talking about the uh, classic albums for the Black Album, and yeah, you talk yeah, about yeah. the Enter Sandman riff and stuff. I think it's really cool. Uh, well, um, so uh, have you seen the band? You said you've seen the band live before, right? Yeah, I've seen them ten times now. Ten I'm times. Going, yeah, and I'm going next year to Slaying Castle again. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. So, has it all been Northern Ireland or an island or? Um, the first time was down in Dublin. Mm-hmm. And that was during the Escape of the Studio, so they played the full Puppets album for like my first concert. Ah. So, <laughs> and then I actually went to that House of Vans one. Uh, for oh, you were there? Pilot. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I entered, I came home one night, and it was on Facebook that you could enter to win this, and I thought, I'm never going to fucking win this, but I'll enter anyway. <laughs> entered, and then a couple of weeks later, I got an email saying, oh, you've won, so I went down to that. It was really cool. What's the best show you've seen them? Um... Possibly the third time when I went to see them in Dublin, just because they opened with Blackened, and that's one of my favourite songs. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, absolute classic. So, um, last question, Dan: uh, If you were to do a podcast like Alf Metallica on a band, what's a band you could confidently do it on? Um, probably the Doors. The Doors. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, I love the Doors. I don't know if anybody's done one yet, but yeah, I could definitely. I do don't one think doors. it's funny you mention that. I don't think they have because. Um, as I mentioned all the time on the show, me and my friend did a Tom Waits podcast, and we wanted to do yeah. another one afterwards. But he's not—he's really into certain bands, but he's not got a wide knowledge. And one yeah. of the other bands that he likes, other than Tom Waits and the Beatles, is the Doors, and I love the Doors as well. And I remember we were flirting with doing a Doors podcast. There isn't a Doors podcast. Um, I just googled it as well. But um, I like—I know the Doors are huge, but I don't think they're as respected as they should be. Yeah, I, I think uh, that whole era, the sixties, I think they were overshadowed mainly by like. Hendrix and stuff like that, but definitely Another Doors, one of my favourite bands. Yeah, I remember, um, again, when I was like 13, 14, um, I was on like one of our first dates with some girl or whatever, and I was walking back and I went to this record shop. Do you remember Music Zone? I don't know if they had Music Zone in Ireland, but it was quite big in, in England for a time. It's like kind of like a discount, like a you know Virgin HMV sort of thing. And, and I was just looking at CDs, and I bought LA Woman, 
And yep. the only reason I bought it was I just sort of knew the album cover and I just knew it was cool. And then I went back at home <laughs> and I was just, oh, my God, down so long. Yeah. Uh, car hits by my window, lover madly. Like, oh, yeah. Hyacinth House. Hyacinth House is, yeah, Lamerica, Crawling King Snake. It's got Riders on the Storm as well right at the end. Um, yeah, I mean the doors are doors, etc. If you ever do a doors podcast, let me know, um, and I will yeah, come I'll on <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll cover that. That'd be very, very cool. So, um, I guess finally, what about yourself? Is there any projects you like to promote? Any Twitter or? Um, not at the moment. I'm working on some music, but it's it's not recorded. It doesn't have a name yet. But mm-hmm. once everything's done, I'll I'll send it over to you. Yeah, please do, please yeah. do, man. So, um, again, thank you to everyone for listening. You can get in touch with us at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Um, comment down below. What do you think about Master? You know, retweet when we share the links. Go on YouTube, Patreon. If you want to support this episode, for example, we'll go on the Patreon today. So it'll go on there about four or five days before it comes out on the main feed so if you want to get a preview listen and you want to help support the show that's greatly appreciated we've got loads of cool episodes coming up i actually recorded our memory remains episode about an hour ago so that was a really good episode with josh that'll be out next week then we have merciful fate metal militia mistress dread the more i see and then into moth and that pretty much takes us up to march so yeah this has been tom master of puppets alf metallica dan thank you again yeah thanks for having me on